Hello, friends. This is the Messenger Podcast, where our goal is to develop messengers whose lives tell the story of the gospel. This is a, a pretty crazy time. I've got a guest in the studio with me today, Miss Ellis Rock. Ellis, how are you? I'm doing well. Addison, I feel like the record needs to show we are not in the studio. No, we are observing we, proper social distancing. That's right. We are so many more than 10 feet away from each other. We, we are, are miles away from each other. We are. I actually saw something earlier today that a pastor was arrested, a pastor in Florida, because he was still doing his whole church service thing. And so they came and like arrested him and everything. It's pretty, pretty crazy times that we live in. But for everyone listening out there, there's no concerns about us getting arrested because we are properly distanced. Right? I'm in my home. That's you're in your home happening right now. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. A, I'm in my home, so we're good. <laughs> anyway, so we're we're gonna talk about everything that's happening in our world right now. Um, Ellis actually oversees social media through Messenger and everything that we do at Messenger, and she's also recently taken over the podcast too. So she's got, she's got a lot in her fold. So she's seeing a lot of, of what's happening out there and is a part of a lot of those conversations. And I value her perspective. So we're going to have some good conversation today. And I just want to remind all of you out there listening who are listening to a lot more podcasts now. I, that's what I've been hearing from Ellis. I've been hearing from people that are listening to a lot more podcasts during this time that if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and rate the show. It helps us get these messages into the hands of more people. So we really appreciate your time, your effort, and writing a review. And if you write a really good one, Ellis, I'm going to make a promise here. If they write a really good one, we're going to share it live on the podcast. Deal? Deal. Okay, they <laughs> can't see that. you. They, <laughs> I see you. They can't see you. So you got to talk to me. All right. And, <laughs> cool. So today we're going to dive in and talk about the coronavirus and what it looks like to respond to this virus, to the challenges that our world is facing right now as a messenger. So that's what we're going to do. I love that, Addison. I love that. You know, you posted a video on your social media a few weeks back. You know, at this point, the coronavirus uh, has been in the news for, for weeks at this point. And so the story has kind of ebbed and flowed. You know, first people felt one way and now they're um, it, it just as time goes on, people start feeling different ways. But a few weeks ago, you posted a video on your Instagram um, talking about how God is going to use this virus. And, uh, and it, it resonated with a lot of people and uh, it definitely resonated with me. And I guess my question for you in regards to that is, um, is God using the virus in the way that you expected him to? Like, what does it really look like for God to use a virus? Cause I don't think that the virus is from God, but sure. how can he use it? Well, and there are certainly people out there saying like, this is God's judgment coming on the earth. And I don't, I don't want to mock that. The truth is, and Paul says this in Romans 11, that God's ways are so much higher and greater and beyond our own. And so there is there's a part of this process that requires a humility that recognizes we don't have all of the answers. But there are some things that we do know about God. And one of the things that we know about God is any attack of the enemy, any, any attack on our vitality, he uses for our good. He flips it on its head and he uses it for our good. And if you look at the story of, of Exodus um, in particular, the story of Moses and Pharaoh and the great Exodus from Egypt, there are verses that say that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And there are other verses that say Pharaoh hardened his own heart. So it's like, which one is it? And I think in our attempts to systematize and reduce everything to something that we can control, because you look at our world right now, everyone's grasping for control. Like they want answers. Every day I see new 
forecasts. I see new predictions come out. We're trying to recover some semblance of control. And the truth is God will use this to show us like, look, we're not in control. He is the one who is self-sufficient. His ways are higher than ours. But what he does do and he promises to do is he promises to reveal himself through the process. So what I believe that will happen through this, and I believe God will use the virus to do this, is the church will be strengthened. Uh, So many people going into 2020 were talking about how this would be a banner year for the body of Christ, that God would move in the church and through the church in ways that we've never seen. And I still believe vision, 2020 vision, 20s. Roaring, I mean, you heard it, you heard it. There's, there, it was all over the place. And I yeah. still believe that God is moving and will move in this year. But I also think that we had a certain idea of how God would move. And we wanted God to move within the confines of our mechanisms, within the confines of what was familiar to us. And I believe that God is bringing in a harvest to the church that is, that is going to require greater substance. So what this virus is going to do is it's going to create a substance in us to sustain what I believe will be the greatest move of God that any generation alive today has seen. I fully believe that. I believe that God is on the move. And I believe that what is happening right now is a decentralization of the gospel message where we're having to own what it is to be the people of God outside of our Sunday morning gatherings. We're having to see each and every day as an opportunity to be people of purpose to, to figure out what it means to trust God, to lean into the daily bread. Like what's happening right now in our world is so far beyond our illusion of control. And so we have, we have two choices. We could either shrink in fear and live really right. small, or we can say, God, I know you are good. I know you are faithful. I have certainty that you are good. I don't have clarity. I don't have all the answers. I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I know ultimately you are going to do something good through this. And so I'm going to choose to live from that place of confidence and authority. That's awesome. I really feel like um, amid amidst everything that's happening in our culture with this virus, I've seen the best of the church rise up. Just just this morning on Twitter, I, I saw someone say, um, you know, there's a church that I went to maybe, maybe five times, but they have called me three times since this whole thing started wow. just to check on me and make sure I'm doing okay. This was a person who was, who otherwise would have just been a face in the crowd, was never committed, was never actually in the church. But then they were getting phone calls from this church who are pastorally caring for people in the midst of all of this chaos that's happening. And this person felt so seen and known and loved. And I just thought, wow, what a picture of, of love. Yeah. In a really practical way. You know, it's just a phone call that says, hey, I just want to check in and see how you're doing. But I just thought, man, this this really has the opportunity. The church has an opportunity here for it to be its finest hour. Come on. Come on. Well, I, I, and I, I believe that. I believe that the church thrives when the saints are equipped for the work of the ministry. It's Ephesians 4. And what's happening right now is the church leadership is having to get innovative on how to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so that's what I mean by this decentralizing of the gospel message of what it means to be the people of God, of where the gospel message belongs. And so I'm excited that the church is stepping up and and embracing the growth that this season represents. Anytime we enter an unprecedented challenge, we're faced with unprecedented opportunity. So the people alive right now are facing opportunities that that they've never faced before. I told my son, Asher, who's 10, I told him, I said, Asher, this is the first time in our lifetimes 
where we're experiencing something together for the first time. Like normally, it's, like you have the previous generation be like, oh, I remember when we went through that. It's like, no, generations across the board, multi-generations are going through something at the same time for the first time. That's significant. Right. Like, I don't think we've realized how significant that is. And so in moments like this, we we have a choice. We can we can see it through the smallness and the fear of the moment, or we can see it through the opportunity that will come. You know, I think that's all the more reason that we have to have grace for each other in this time. Um, like you said, it's the first time that any of us have walked through something like this. And so to have a conversation like that with your son and saying, look, I've never been through this before either. Like this is your first time right. and this is my first time. And so I we're going to have the to, answers. Right. You're, we're going to okay. have to be patient and, and figure this out together. And we have such an opportunity, like you said, unprecedented opportunity to come together as a team, you know, with our kids, with our family, with our friends, maybe from a distance. Hello, social distancing. Um, but to, to come together while we're apart, uh, to walk through this as graciously as possible and really come out on the other end um, bonded for life as a team of people who all went through the same thing at the same time. Yeah, no, it's so true. It's so true. I love that. Yeah. So I, I guess that leads right into um, another question I was going to ask is what do you think it looks like while, while we're social distanced, while, while we're in our houses, you know, our team is not in the office every day. We're not, we can't just check in with each other at our desks. What does it look like to love our neighbors right now? Yeah. So I, I want to give an example of what not to do. Oh no. So, so yesterday I was, spending time with Asher. We were in our family room and playing a game. August was down for a nap and Sophia and Lizzie were outside just playing, playing, you know, playing outside together. And unbeknownst to me, they had snuck into the house and they had found a bunch of fruit. So they found a bunch of fruit in, in our kitchen and they proceeded to go door to door in our neighborhood selling fruit to the neighbors. And yes, yes, they did. I had no idea, no idea. So this is truly bad parenting on my part. Yes, so selling fruit to the neighbors, and uh, and so they they're said, going they down. said we'll know what we know what we're going to do in a time of financial crisis. Exactly, they're just selling fruit to neighbors that we had just bought the day before from Costco. And it, anyway, so so I get a knock on the door. I go to the door and I open it, and I'm like, who's knocking on my door? And sure enough, it's a neighbor who lives way down the street from me. Like, I don't even really know this neighbor because the only way I know who he is, because I drive past his house sometimes and you know, I wave and he's standing at my door. He's observing proper social distancing. He's way back. Like, I don't even know how he knocked on the door. Maybe like threw rocks at my door or something to get my attention. But he's way back. Oh, and he's like, sir, um, are these your daughters? <laughs> and I'm like, um, Yes. <laughs> Bracing myself. Like, is, what's to come? is now the time to disown them or do I wait <laughs> to hear what they've done? <laughs> and, and he goes, you know, he's like, well, so they um, they came to my house to sell me fruit. And I just want to make sure, and considering everything that's going on right now, that you know this. And I was like, oh, sir, I am so sorry. Oh my! Oh, so so I bring them in. So I bring Lizzie and Sophia, in. Sophia feels terrible because she doesn't like doing wrong things. Like she's, yeah. you know, she works really hard to do the right things, and so she's in tears. 
And I'm like trying not to laugh because I think yeah. it's so funny. It's just like, we made six bucks. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like y'all made six bucks selling bananas and oranges <laughs> to our neighbors when, when we're supposed to be locked down. And, you know, I explained what was going on and stuff to her, but I didn't know if I should praise her for being so industrious or what. So I don't, I don't know what the moral of the story is. I'm sure there's quite a few there for y'all to choose from. But, um, but for us, Alice, what Julie and I have been saying is like, look, this is a time for us to reach out to some of our neighbors who are older and say like, hey, can we do anything for you? Can we get groceries um, for you? I have one particular neighbor who's pretty grumpy and um, he's, he's, uh, he's an elderly gentleman. And so it's been a great time for us to be like, hey, you need us to do anything for you. And I've probably texted more people in my world over the last couple of weeks than I have in the previous few months, just seeing how people are doing, seeing how I can pray for them. And it, it, it has created this awareness in all of us that there's something bigger than our individual lives. Like there's a bigger struggle that we're going through right now as humanity. And it's, it's in those intersections of our humanity that we learn what it is to be a good neighbor. And so I would encourage people like don't fill up your time binge watching shows and stuff like that. Like we're we've been really intentional as a family and with our kids not to do that. Ask yourself like what would it look like to show love to my neighbor from a distance? And I think every neighborhood, and I'm talking literal neighbors, every neighborhood has its own challenges and opportunities and so just look at it like that. Just don't go door to door selling fruit. I was selling so concerned fruit. the cops were going to show up. I really was us I told Sophia, I'm like, look, if the cops show up, I'm going to tell them it was you. They're going to take you away. I'm so sorry. I'm sure that just like, oh my gosh, just terrified Sophia. No, you know, all right. So here's the truth. Lizzie had lost a tooth and I had like no, I had no single dollars, like really no cash in my house to give to her. So I actually used it for tooth fairy money last night. So, you know. It's one of those things, like what the enemy means for evil, God turns around for our good. So it's just, you know, a blessing. Oh my gosh. I don't know if that's actually how that no, works. Pro- but <laughs> probably, probably not. <laughs> probably not. You know, going back to this, uh, taking care of your neighbor, uh, like how can you practically do that? I know, um, you know, I'm a Colorado transplant, so I am not from here. My entire family is back in Louisiana. And my sister called me a couple of days ago and she just said, well, we offered to go buy groceries for, um, for my grandparents. And my grandparents didn't take my sister and her husband up on the offer. They're like, oh, we'll keep getting our own groceries. And a couple of days later, I was on the phone with my grandparents and, and uh, my grandfather oddly disappeared from the phone call. And I was like, you know, where did, where'd Papa go? And my grandmother said, oh, he went out to get some food and all this stuff. And I, I had to have a pretty strong conversation with my grandparents, uh, honoring, super honoring, but strong and just saying, Hey, look guys, I want you to be as safe as possible. You need to stay in your house right now and not out of fear. Um, not out of, you know, intimidation, not out of anything bad, but just out of a, Hey, I love you. And I, our family is willing to do whatever you need um, to walk through this super inconvenient time, but let's follow the guidelines that are being set before us. And I just thought, you know, the conversations like that, those hard conversations where you have to tell somebody what they don't want to hear. Sometimes that's what loving your neighbor looks like too. Yeah, that's true. And, And for all of us, like taking precautions, that's not living in fear. 
It says right. in Second Corinthians, or not Second Corinthians, Second Timothy. I think it's one one seven that God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, of love, and a sound mind. And a sound mind is the ability to know what to do and when to do it. Like we are in the middle of a crisis. Uh, there are varying opinions on the degree of crisis that we are in, but this is you know this is serious. And, um, and so we, we need to be people of wisdom. We need to have a sound mind. We need to know what to do and when to do it. And, uh, and so it's, it's important to have hard conversations with people that you love. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, when this, when all of this started uh, coming out in the news, you know, at first I think people downplayed it and didn't think it was going to be as big of a deal as it was. And then all of a sudden it was, the biggest deal, right? And so people start canceling things, things start shutting down. Um, and, uh, you know, John has talked a lot about this on his social media and various other places about this being a pandemic of fear. And right. I think we saw this ripple effect of fear um, on social media and in our culture and just everywhere you looked, people were just nervous because you don't know how things are going to play out. Um, whether that be, uh, fear about the virus in general, fear about the financial or job instability that the virus has caused and just fear of the unknown. Um, so I guess my question would be, how do you practically combat the fear and choose faith? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great question. I actually posted something on my Instagram today along these lines. Um, it's Hebrews ten thirty nine. It says, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and, and preserve their souls. Like this, this is a moment in time that we, as the body of Christ, we can distinguish ourselves from the world, from people who don't see beyond the day um, by how we respond to these real challenges that we're facing. And and I think, I think so much of, of what, what's happening right now is a fear in light of a perceived lack of control. Like, mm-hmm. I, really, I really think that's what it is. Like, people, and I, and I hit on this a little earlier, like, people, they want, they want answers, they want security, they want stability. And in these moments, we have to ask ourselves, like, what is our faith attached to? Because the whole idea of fear and faith, like it's it's really about like what is it attached to? Because those things in and of themselves are neutral. It's what they're attached to that makes them significant. So is our faith attached to an outcome? Is our faith attached to a certain circumstance or a certain environment? If so, it's suspect. But if our faith is attached to a person, then we can weather the storms and we don't find ourselves overcome with fear. And then when we are in the midst of a storm, when they're in the midst of a circumstance where things seem compromised, we can find the presence of mind to do exactly what we need to do. It's like, I mean, we all know the story of Peter on the waves when he took his eyes off Jesus and he looked around him and he looked at his circumstances. When he doubted his worthiness uh, to be out on the water, he started to sink. And I think for so many of us, this is this is a season for us to go deep in how God sees us, to go deep in why we're here, the purpose that he's placed on our lives. And from that place, we can become people of faith. So some practical things, like be careful what you're feeding yourself, right? So so faith and fear both follow focus. So if you're focusing... Wait, say, say that again. Say that again. Faith and fear, they both follow focus, both of them. Yeah. So, if you're if you're focusing on things that are going to create fear and this sense of pandemonium, then yes, like that's what you're going to feel. If you're focusing on things that build your faith, 
then you're going to be in a different place. Like, look, I'll, I mean, I'll be honest with you, Ellis, like it's, it's a challenging time for us at messenger. I mean, you know, like John and oh, Lisa, yeah. they're not able to travel and speak and do what they do and all of their honorariums and all that. It goes to messenger to sustain our operations. And that's, you know, that's not happening. And so as a COO, like those, you know, those are legitimate challenges that we're facing right now right. as an organization. But I'll tell you this right now. I have, I don't know if I've slept as good as I've slept the last two and a half weeks in years. No and way. I think, a, yeah, absolutely. And I think a part of it is I, I most of the time, like believe I have control. Like I really struggle with that. Like I yeah. believe, I, and I don't know if it's a, that I'm a one on the Enneagram or what, but like, I believe like I have some sense of control over outcomes and I'm in a season right now where it's like, this is so far outside of my control. I, I like I can't even pretend like I can control it. And so I have a choice. Right. I can either live in a constant state of anxiety or I can say, God, I trust you have ordered the days of my life and that you placed me on this earth for a reason during this time. I believe that every person who is alive right now is alive for a reason. Yeah. I, I fully believe that. And so we we get to choose. We get to choose how we're going to look at this. And again, as I said earlier, faith and fear both follow focus. So that's that's the crucial thing that we have to remember. Like, where are we putting our time, our energy, and our focus? Because if we're feeding fear, then naturally it's going to grow. If we're feeding faith, if we're feeding on the Word of God, like this is the time to get in the Word of God. Whatever you find, and I've seen this in my life in hard seasons. Whatever I find in Scripture during hard seasons, those things, those nuggets, those verses, those truths. They stick with me. They stick with you. The things that you find in God's word during seasons of hardship, those things stick with you. So this is the time to dig deep. This is the time to sow seeds because you're going to see the fruit of what you do now in this season of hardship for the rest of your life. That's so good. You know, and I think it's situations like these that just highlight the fact that we don't have control. Because yeah. we never actually have control. It just takes, it takes circumstances right. that are somewhat bizarre to say, hey, remember, you're not in control of the universe. You're not like, a God. God. You are not a God. Yeah. <laughs> not even of your own world. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's uh, so there's, there's a pastor that I listen to who says you will only have authority in the storms you can sleep through. Mm, that's so good. Yeah. And I think it goes back to, as soon as you said, I've slept better the last two weeks. I'm like, man, I think that that just shows that there's, there's this level of um, understanding that you've gotten that says, okay, well, I know my authority in Christ. I know, yeah. I know what he's put in me. I know that I'm not in control here, that God is the one in control, that he holds my life in the palm of his hand, that the word says he turns uh, he works all things together for the good of those who love him. Like these are the promises I have from him. And therefore this is the authority that I have. So I can sleep through this storm. Absolutely. And I think for so many of us, it's so interesting this season, this is all happening in um, because Lent in the, in the church calendar, Lent is, is a time for us to, to strip off things that have become little gods in our life little sources of strength, little sources of security. And it's interesting that all this is happening during the season of Lent. But I think what so many of us struggle with is this idea of being a God of productivity. Like we only create value in the world when we're producing. And the big idea of the Sabbath, the Sabbath was to remind us that we are not gods of productivity. 
The Sabbath was to remind us that the world will still spin without our contribution. And I think this is a time for all of us to take a step back and to remind ourselves where our security lies, who our security is in. And from that place of confidence, from that place of assurance, we'll actually get vision to do the good work that he's placed before us. Because this is a season, and I said it before, it's a season of opportunity, opportunity relationships, opportunity in business, opportunity in church, opportunity across the board. But we're not going to see that opportunity if we're shrinking in fear. And so when we come from that place of, of security, knowing that ultimately our rest, our security, our promise is in him, it's in a person, it's not in an outcome. When we live from that place, we can do anything, anything. We can step into right. any difficulty, any challenge, take on any opportunity. And I believe, as I mentioned earlier, God is positioning his church. He's using this attack of the enemy. It says in Mark 4, that persecution comes for the sake of the word. So the persecution, the, the trial, the suffering, it actually comes to unlock what is inside the word. And there are things that all of us have inside of us, seeds that all of us have inside of us. And the pressure of this season is going to bring those things out. And we're going we're gonna to see gifts. We're going to see potential. We're going to see opportunity inside people that was latent, that was dormant. It's going to come out during this season. And I, I mean, I, I, think, I think I read this one time and I don't have the fact in front of me, but I'm pretty sure that the Great Depression created more millionaires. I think I read this one time, more millionaires than any other event in history. Something It's like wow. something along those lines came out of the Great Depression. And so this, and I'm not just talking about it on the financial front. I'm talking the relational, spiritual, uh, across the board. This is an opportunity for us to slow down, to look at ourselves, to say, where have we put our trust and our faith in something else? And what does it mean for us to realign our trust and our faith and place it in God during this season? So I'm going to throw a curveball at you a little bit, but Do it. Like, you know, based on based on what you just said, should this season be one of Sabbaths or should it be one of productivity? And are the two mutually exclusive? <laughs> So I, I personally, that's a great question. I personally do not think that they're mutually exclusive. I believe that they're, they're actually dependent on each other. I don't believe you can have a true Sabbath without, without having work. Like I really don't. I, I, don't, think, I don't think those two go hand in hand. Um, I, I don't think those two, I think they require each other, right? So when, when we look at our work, um, I, think, I think the Sabbath reminds us of why we work. I think the Sabbath reminds us of what we work toward. I think the Sabbath gives purpose and meaning to our work. It helps align and reorient our work. And so in order for the Sabbath to have meaning, I, I do believe that the work is necessary. It's like God took a Sabbath on the seventh day because he had worked six days. Right. It wouldn't have been a Sabbath if he wouldn't have worked those six days. Right. I was going to say, so I do, I do think it's both. Um, and when I'm talking about this idea of Sabbath and this idea of rest, I'm talking about taking a step back because systems that we used to use and security that we used to find, it's been undermined. It's been dismantled. And so I think it's kind of a force like, hey, we got to take a step back and realize that we can't control, we can't manage, we can't manipulate all of these things at some point. All of us come to this place where we're at the end of ourselves and we have to learn to trust God, which is really the point of the Sabbath.
absolutely. You know, you sound you sound a little bit like some people I know uh, named John and Lisa when you talk about it because they have been, you know, hitting for the last few weeks on the fact that this is an opportunity for us as people, as the body of Christ, as the church to reset. And I think that we can reset both in Sabbath and in work. Um, but they've both approached it from uh, from some some different perspectives. You know, John has talked a lot about uh, resetting by spending time in the presence and in the word of God um, specifically, like just getting equipped uh, and knowing what your Bible says and spending time with God. And Lisa has talked about a reset uh, that uh, comes from repentance and just again, and, and these don't, these things don't cancel each other out there. They actually go hand in hand is, you know, you get in the presence of God, you get in his word and it highlights areas of your life. You're convicted of, of Jesus's righteousness. Like the Bible says, and you just say, what areas of my life, you know, have I, uh, have I thought that I had control or have I made an idol and, and what do I need to lay down? And both of them have hit really hard in this time on this idea of a reset. You know, what does that, what has that looked like for you over the last few weeks? And and what should that look for, look like for us as people of faith? Yeah. Well, repentance means to say, hey, there's something that I'm missing. Like, I don't see it all. I'm going to turn from what I have known. I'm going to turn from what I have been doing. And I'm going to turn to something greater. And there's always a grace that comes with repentance. God gives us grace to take us places we've never been and to do things that we've never done, to feel things that we've never felt. Like, that's the big idea of grace. And so in this season, when we start to repent, like Lisa's been calling us to repentance, saying, hey, like turn turn aside from those things that you have found strength in. Those things now, like you're essentially wondering, like, what is it going to look like? How am I going to survive? What is my new norm going to be? Like, let's take, let's take some time to turn back to God and let's let that be the first part of establishing our new normal. It's like, what does it mean to do this well in relationship with God? What does it mean to be people who are called by his name? What does it mean to be people who are harmonizing with his spirit? Like, what does that look like? So I think that's the first step. And then, of course, that naturally leads us into the presence of God. Like, we look at these things sequentially, but they actually happen simultaneously. It leads us to the presence of God because we know that in his presence, we find everything that we need. We find perspective. We find joy. We find wisdom. We find understanding. We find connection. We find and answer those deep things that we don't even know how to articulate yet. Like that's what we find in his presence. So if, if all this does is drive people into the presence of God, where they're repenting, they're asking for eyes to see ears, to hear heart, to perceive and understand. And they're, and they're spending time in the word, they're feeding on the word, they're contextualizing the word. Like if that's happening right now, man, it's going to be amazing what God does in and through his people because of this time of resetting. Yeah. You know, I was reading a book recently about uh, how grapes grow and basically, uh, and you'll have to, you're a researcher, so you'll get, you'll get off this podcast and immediately look this up. But uh, basically grapes are not produced on a, on a grape plant (laughs) until the plant feels like it's going to die. So that plant will produce great leaves. It'll be beautiful. It will produce all of these things. But until the circumstances around that plant cause it to feel like it will die, it will not produce grapes. It won't produce fruit. And I think that's something that we have the opportunity um, to experience in this season is 
the world feels like it's crashing, crashing down in, in more ways than one. Um, but it's in these seasons of chaos. It's in these seasons of hardship where we feel like, how could we possibly move forward after this? How could we possibly find a new normal? That's when the fruit really gets produced in our lives and the lasting fruit at that. Yeah, that's good. I mean, as you're saying, I'm just thinking John 15, talking about the vine and what it means to abide in the vine and what it means to reveal this message of hope and life to the world. And that and that ultimately, that's what it that's what it means to be a messenger. It means to share this message of hope and life, the good news of the kingdom, to whatever God to whatever world God has placed us in. It's not just about doing it on a platform or in a church setting. That like God has called us to share a message of reconciliation that extends into every space and is an invitation to every person. And so I love that. I love this that idea. Like it's a season of where. We're essentially dying to self. We're dying to the old norm. And we're saying, God, we want we want the new standard. We want the new norm that you're inviting us into. And, and we realize like that does involve some death. That involves some letting go of what has been. And, and I think from that place of trust and from that place of surrender, we're going to see some beautiful things emerge in our lives. I know for me, Alice, having this time where things look different. Like I don't have an hour, like I normally commute an hour, 30 minutes in, 30 minutes home. I don't have that. I'm working at home. So I've taken 60 minutes and that's time that I get to dedicate to relationship, either with my wife, with my kids, with God. The time and the word during the season, as I mentioned earlier, has been so rich for me. Like scripture has been so rich. The presence of God has been so rich because God loves it when we lean in during difficult times. That's when we have eyes to see is during difficult times. So when everything's going smoothly and nicely that we start to believe that we're self-sufficient, that we start to believe we don't need him, that he's just an accessory to our lives. His word is just, eh, it's a handbook for maybe some practical advice. But when we're in these seasons of difficulty, we realize that we are not gods, that we have to lean into the one who is life then guess what? We start to get meat from his word. And as I shared earlier, I really believe this for everyone listening. The things that you find in God's word during this season of your life, you will carry with you for the rest of your life. They will become, these words that you will find in scripture will become a banner over your life. So take advantage of this time. Do not shrink back. Do not live small. Do not stand idle. Really press after what God has for your family, for your business, for your church, for your school, whatever it is, because I believe that heaven is giving answers right now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it go, it goes right along with uh, some of the things that John and Lisa are doing right now, which is kind of amazing is, you know, John is talking about uh, what it looks like to break intimidation in our lives and to not operate with timidity, um, but to operate out of the power and the love and the sound mind that God gives. And, and Lisa's been talking so much about what it looks like to be strong, strong in God, strong when you know that your source of strength is God. And so I think it's such a timely message or timely messages that are happening right now um, that people can really dive into and take part in, especially why while we're at home. You know, um, we've talked a lot about how uh, this time we can use it in a way that produces fruit in our lives. And I think that that's such an 
easy and practical way to dive in is, hey, this like this course is on all access. We're giving it to you for free for the next 30 days. Actually, we're giving you all of our courses for free for the next 30 days. And so um, I think it's such an opportunity uh, that people can use to dive in and say, I'm going to have this season in my life mean something and produce fruit that lasts, like you said, as a banner over our lives for the rest of our lives. Yeah, exactly. And that's our heart. Our heart is to equip people with the tools that they need um, during the season because everyone's looking for answers. And and so this is a great time for us to equip ourselves to be able to offer answers to our friends, to our coworkers, to our family. We're asking hard questions. Like this is not a, a season where pat answers suffice. This is a season where we have to be able to go deep and we have to first and foremost believe the truth before we can share it. And so, yes, we're inviting everyone into Messenger All Access. It's amazing. They can go to just uh, messengercourses.com um, and, and it's all right there. Yeah. Like They don't even need a special promo code or anything like that. Just go to messengercourses.com. We're giving it away. We want you to get into it. We want to feed your spirit during this time. And we have stuff, what's cool else? We have stuff in there too for kids. We have tons of like children's content for the next generation. We have stuff for young adults. We have content. Um, I mean, I don't even know how many hours, but it would take you weeks upon weeks upon weeks upon weeks upon weeks of nonstop binging to consume everything that's on there. Um, it's the so right kind of binge watching. It is like this is guilt-free <laughs> binge watching. So that's it's good. right. It's, it's good stuff. Well, Alice, thank you so much for jumping on today. Thank you for what you're doing to share hope. I know this has been a time where you've been very busy. A lot of people are interacting with Messenger, with John, with Lisa through social media, and you've done a phenomenal job stewarding that post. And it's been it's been a season where these messages have gone farther and wider um, than they have in previous seasons. And that's because the opportunity is there. People are looking for answers. So thank you for stewarding that with such excellence and for taking the time to jump on the podcast with me today. Hey, my pleasure. Anytime. Cool. And everyone listening, thank you so much for tuning in amidst all the craziness. And I, I want you to remember, don't, don't forget this, that you are a messenger to the people in your world, especially now. Your life is a message. So lean into God's grace and watch this world change. Until next time. Thanks for listening to The Messenger Podcast. Let us know your thoughts by leaving a review and be sure to subscribe and share these episodes through iTunes. You can connect with us through Facebook, Instagram, and through our website at messengerinternational.org. Until next time.